Well, good morning, church. Oh, come on. Good morning, church. It's great to gather today and to be in this place, and I'm so glad you're here. Let me say again, if uh, if it's your first time here, we are so glad uh, that you decided to come and join us this morning at Riverside and worship with us. Uh, We'll tell you from the get-go, we are far from perfect. We we are striving, as as Barry said earlier, to live different as followers of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done in our lives, uh, we're trying every day to live more and more into his will, into his direction, into his image. And if you're looking for a place where you can partner with other people, a community, a family to come around you in that journey, we would love to be that family for you. Today we're, we're ending this series called Never Gonna Let Me Down. And um, I don't know if this is true for you, but this has been a good, a good series for me, a good reminder for me. I think all of us need this reminder from time to time uh, that we, we do live in a world uh, where we struggle. Uh, We live in a day and time where it's not always easy to follow Jesus. Uh, We live in a time where it's easy to to doubt sometimes if God is real, if God is present, if God even cares, if he sees what's going on. So it's good from time to time to stop, to push pause on the story that is our lives, and to remember this truth that our God is faithful and that, in fact, he will never, ever let us down. But if you're anything like me, if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, then I think it begs this question. What do you do when your world is shaken? What do you do when your world is shaken, when things are turned upside down, when you don't know which side is up? What do you do when the world shakes and what do you, what do you turn? When I was a kid... Uh, my sister and I, from time to time, our family would go and visit my grandparents. Uh, I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama. My grandparents lived in Phoenix City, Alabama, right on the, the border of Alabama and Georgia. We'd go over and visit them, and we loved it, not only because we loved our grandparents, but right next door to our grandparents lived my aunt and uncle. And uh, so we loved to go see them and see our cousins, and they had a trampoline in their yard. And back in those days, some of you may remember this, trampolines didn't have padding on the springs. They didn't have a net built around them like a fortress. It's, it's really a wonder we ever survived. I can't tell you how many times we were jumping on that trampoline, and sure enough, one of our legs would go through the springs, or we'd get bounced so hard, we'd, we'd fly off and hit the ground, and somehow we survived. But that may explain some things for you about me. Um, it, it was amazing. But we played this game with, with my cousins. I, I think it was called, I can't remember, probably because I hit the ground too hard one too many times. I think it was called Break the Egg. But it was that game where two people would sit on the trampoline, you know, legs crisscross, and you would hold your toes, and you would hold on tight. And two other people would jump on the trampoline and bounce you as hard as they could, trying to get you to, to, to shake so hard and bounce so hard that you would then let go of your, of your, your toes. And, and, and the game was whoever let go first was the loser, and whoever, whoever could hold on the longest was the winner. I think this is what life is like for a lot of us. We're holding on as tight as we can, but the world around us is shaking so violently that sometimes it is hard to hold on. And if we're honest, it's really hard to hold on to our faith. We're holding on as tight as we can. And then we get that email or that text or that we see that social media post from that one person and it just sends us spiraling out of control. Ever been there? We're holding on as tight as we can and something happens with our kids or to our kids or something happens about that's going to affect our kids and all of a sudden it sends us spiraling out of 
control. We're holding on with both hands as tight as we can. Then we find out that the job isn't working out or that our spouse's job isn't going to work out and we don't know what we're going to do for money or where we're going to live. And all of a sudden, we're just spiraling out of control. We're holding on with both hands. And we get the phone call. Someone we love is sick and it's serious. And it sends us spiraling out of control. We're holding on with both hands as hard as we can. And then we find out there's been yet another school shooting. 23, I think, this calendar year so far. And it feels like the whole world is spinning out of control. We're holding on with both hands. And then we hear more news about the refugee crisis or about another terrorist attack somewhere around the world. Or we hear about a place in the world where people are literally having, they're dying for their faith in Jesus. Or we hear about another volcanic eruption or earthquake or tsunami or tornado or hurricane or flooding. And it just feels like everything is spinning out of control. And we wonder, how do we have faith in an invisible God When everything we see, when the visible world around us feels like it's shaking and spiraling out of control, how do we worship an invisible God when it seems like the visible world and everything that we can see is shaking and spinning out of control? It made me wonder this week, when was the first, like, earthquake in the history of the world? I don't know if you've wonder things like that. Probably not. It's just me. I'm weird. Um, I was thinking, when was the first earthquake we know about? And some of you that are Bible scholars in the room, you can fact check me and you, you may find a different instance and that will be fine with me. As best I can tell, the first earthquake in the history of the world happened when Moses was the leader of God's people. The story goes like this. The people of God were in captivity in Egypt for a few hundred years, and they were crying out to God to come and save them, rescue them. God heard their cry. He called Moses to go to Pharaoh and to, to get his people and to, 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 to lead them out of Egypt, and Moses did. And Pharaoh, after some convincing, uh, let them go, at least for a moment. Moses led the people of God to the Red Sea. Uh, then he divided the Red Sea into two water walls, and they walked through on dry ground, Pharaoh and his army came behind because they changed their minds. They didn't want to let them go. And as they crossed the Red Sea, also on dry ground, as soon as the last Israelite stepped out of the riverbed, the water came crashing in. Pharaoh's army defeated. Now Israel is not only God's chosen people, Israel is God's delivered people. Two months later, God has led them, a cloud by day they led them, and then a fire by night led them to this place called Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And it's here, it's here at the mountain of God that the chosen people of God, the delivered people of God, are now going to receive the word of God directly from the hand of God. This is a pretty awesome moment. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to meet with God, and God tells him, hey, I want you to bring all the people to the mountain, but they can't come on the mountain In fact, they can't even touch the mountain. In fact, it would be a better idea for you to like draw a barrier around the mountain and say, don't cross this because if they touch the mountain, if even an animal touches the mountain, they'll die. But what I want to do is I want you to bring the people of God to the mountain so they can see, so they can experience my power and my presence. Pretty awesome moment. So Moses goes down the mountain and he tells the people, three days you got three days to get ready. Consecrate yourselves. Purify yourselves. Get ready. All this, the stories in Exodus 19. You should go read it sometime. In three days' time, we're going to go up to Mount Sinai, and you're going to experience the power and the presence of God so the people get ready. 
They purify themselves. They consecrate themselves. They get ready for this moment to go and worship, to go and meet the living God on the mountain of God. And when they get there, it's a holy moment. There's thunder and lightning. A cloud rolls in like black smoke and covers the mountain. And when God speaks, the earth shakes. There's an earthquake. Not only is the earth shaking, but the people, as you might imagine, are trembling in fear. All throughout the series, we've been looking at what the writer of Hebrews was telling to some of the first Christians, some of the first believers in Jesus. Now, these believers in Jesus were living in a time when it was very hard to to be a believer in Jesus. Some of them were being tortured because of their faith. Some of them were being put in jail because of their faith. Some of them are having their possessions taken away from them because of their faith in Jesus. If they would just renounce their faith in Jesus, it would be easier. They'd have a better life. But they wouldn't do it. But they were afraid. So what the Hebrew writer does in Hebrews 12, if you have a Bible and want to open up, we'll look there in just a moment. What the Hebrew writer does is calls them back to remember this story in Israel's history when the people of God were very afraid. In fact, they were shaken and they were shaking. But God wasn't shaken. And God wasn't shaking because God is unshakable. And I think what the Hebrew writer wanted to do was to remind them that when you're afraid, you can hold on to your faith even when it feels like the world is spiraling out of control because you serve a God that is unshakable. You can worship. You can worship even when you're afraid, even when it's hard to hold on because the God you worship is an unshakable God. So in Hebrews 12, 18, this is what the Hebrew writer said. You have not come to a physical mountain like Mount Sinai, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back. Under God's command, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. Literally, the earth is shaking and they are shaking in fear before the presence and the power of the living God. Verse 22. No, you have come to Mount Zion. When you gather for worship, when you come to worship, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. This is what happens when you and I join together in worship as we have this morning. You have come, verse 23, to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come. You have come to God himself who is judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. What a beautiful thought. You have come to Jesus. Jesus. The one who mediates the new covenant between God and his people. And to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness, instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. So, be careful. 
He says, Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, you may remember this, but all those people that escaped through the Red Sea, all those people that met God at Mount Sinai and, and, and heard his voice and begged him to stop speaking, all those who experienced that first earthquake and who were shaking in fear before the living God, out of all those people, only two went to the promised land that God had prepared for them. Why? Because they refused to listen. They received the word from God through Moses, but over and over again, they refused to listen and to obey the word of God that they had received from God through Moses. And because they wouldn't listen, because they wouldn't obey, they didn't get to enjoy the promised land. So the Hebrew writer says, if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice literally shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. This is a promise you need to underline or hold on to. I will shake. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Here's the promise. That there's a day coming when God Almighty will bring an earthquake unlike anything the world has ever seen. And when God comes, when Jesus returns and the earth shakes at his return, all the heavens and all the earth and all that is temporary, it's going to go away. But you and I have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear because you and I live in a world that is shaken, but you and I, we who believe in Jesus, belong to, we have received an unshakable kingdom. Verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. This is why. This is why you and I can worship. When it seems like the whole world is shaking and spiraling out of control, this is why you and I can hold on to our faith when it feels like everything around us is shaking and falling apart. Because you and I believe in a God who is unshakable and we belong to a kingdom that is unshakable. In his book, The Comeback, Louis Giglio tells a story of a man by the name of Ernst Leo. Ernst Leo uh, lived in Haiti. He was a 35-year-old computer technician living in Haiti back in 2010. And if you remember what happened on January 12, 2010, there was an earthquake in Haiti that was unlike anything maybe we've ever seen. If you watch the news or you saw the stories or the, or the pictures, you remember that that earthquake that hit Haiti in 2010 brought incredible devastation. Over 200,000 died. Ernst Leo was a computer technician living in Port-au-Prince, and when the earthquake stopped, 
he immediately ran to his home, only to find that his home, obviously, had been completely destroyed. Well, as any father would, he began frantically looking for his family. His, his wife, Naomi, they had been sweethearts since they were children, and, and they got married, and they had two beautiful daughters. Faitza was 12, Teresa was 7. He began looking for his family. Rescue workers started helping him dig out the, the rubble, the debris, trying to find his family. His wife, Naomi, his daughter, Faitza, were both found dead. But they found Teresa, and she was still alive. But she was pinned underneath the rubble, under, underneath a piece of concrete slab. Her right arm was trapped. And get this, for two days, for two days straight, Ernst Leo, along with rescue workers, were trying desperately to dig her out and set her free, but they couldn't do it. Finally, they determined that the only way to save her life would be to amputate her arm. Can you imagine being a father in that moment? Having to sign off on that decision. But it was the only way to save her life. So rescue workers and medical professionals took off her arm so they could save her life. And Ernst took his daughter, Teresa, to a hospital where they could begin to take care of her and help her recover. The earth had shaken in Haiti and Ernst and his family had felt the full force of that earthquake. So what do you do? What do you do when your world is shaken? Where do you turn? My guess is probably none of us in here have experienced an earthquake of that magnitude firsthand. Maybe you have, I don't know. But my guess is that all of us have experienced our world being shaken. Because you and I, you live in a world that's shaken by cancer. You live in a world that's shaken by disease. You live in a world that's shaken by addiction. You live in a world that's shaken by tragedy. You live in a world that's shaken by car wrecks. You live in a world that's shaken by so much. You live in a world that's shaken by job loss. You live in a world that's shaken by financial insecurity. You live in a world that is constantly being shaken. So where do you turn when your world is shaken? How do you hold on to your faith in an invisible God when the visible world all around you is being shaken? How do you worship an invisible God when everything that is visible is being shaken? How do you do that? There's more to the story. Somehow, a news reporter found Ernst Leo and learned his story. And this news reporter wrote a story that was then published in USA Today. And as you can imagine, was read by thousands of people. Some of those people that read that article in USA Today here in the States, were believers in Jesus and members of different churches. And it seemed like everybody had the same thought. We don't know how to help the hundreds of thousands in Haiti that are suffering, but we can do something for Ernst and his daughter. And so almost immediately, people began reaching out to USA Today to try to talk to the reporter to find out where Ernst and where Teresa were staying. 
They had been moved from the hospital once Teresa was well enough to a tent, literally living in a tent city. All their belongings fit into his suitcase at this point. Ernst had been able to go back to work, and Teresa was going back to school. I believe she was in second grade at this time. Every night they would come home, and, and Ernst would have to help her daughter with her homework, help her learn how to write with her left hand. She'd never done that before. Believers in Jesus found out that Ernst actually had family in Miami and had made plans, had already filed the paperwork months ago to move to Miami to live with his parents. And so they helped him. They helped him get from Haiti to Miami. People who believed in Jesus came around this family and they helped him get a used Toyota Camry that he could drive to and from his new job in Miami. They helped him get an apartment and furnish it and set it up. They helped Teresa get connected with doctors who would fit her with a, a brand new prosthetic arm to make life just a little bit easier for her. And you know how this works. None of this made everything okay. None of this would bring back Ernst. It wouldn't bring back his wife, Naomi, or his daughter, Faiza. None of this would, would bring back Teresa's mom or her sister. It wouldn't do that. But you know what it did do? The church coming around this family, you would experience the full force of an earthquake like the world has never seen. Provided for this family a moment of stability and stable ground. And it showed them the love of God. The love of a God that cannot be shaken. And the love of his church that cannot be shaken. Because the church on earth is a part of God's unshakable kingdom. How can you hold on to your faith in an invisible God when the world around you is shaking? How can you worship an invisible God when the world around you is spiraling out of control? You can turn to the one who is unshakable. You can belong to the community of believers who are part of an unshakable kingdom. This is what you and I do. It's the only thing that we can do. Because you and I live in a world that is constantly being shaken. But when everything around you is shaken, literally shaken to the core, you and I can turn to the unshakable one who will not, who cannot, be moved. You and I can hold on because we belong to one. Because we are holding on to one who is holding on to us. Yesterday, we gathered in this room. A lot of us did. This room was filled with people who had gathered to celebrate and to remember Aaron Urquhart's life. I know some of you couldn't be here. Maybe you watched on Facebook as it was broadcast there as well. And I sat and I watched as different people got up here. Jason, along with some other of her friends and family, got up to speak about her life and share memories and tell stories. And as I was sitting where you're sitting and I was watching these people talk about our sister Erin, it wasn't lost to me that right behind every speaker was this banner that says, Never Gonna Let Me Down. And if you didn't know the story, you might think, you might have thought, God let Erin down. But you know, like I know, that God didn't let Aaron down. Jason said it so perfectly yesterday. Cancer didn't win. 
Death didn't win. Jesus won. Because Jesus had already won Aaron's heart, Aaron had already won the victory. The reason you and I can hold on when the world around us is shaking is because there is one who is unshakable, who is holding on to us. I think that's why David once wrote these words in Psalm 16. He said, I know the Lord is always with me and I will not be shaken because he is right beside me. The world around me may be shaking, but I can hold on because there is one who is unshakable who is holding on to me. You and I can hold on. If your world is shaking, you can hold on because you can turn to one who is unshakable, who is holding on to you. Church, if you would, let's let's stand together. Here's what I want us to walk away with today. That if you're holding on with both hands as tight as you can, trying not to let go, and it feels like the world is bouncing you up and down on a trampoline just waiting for you to let go, the winners aren't the ones who hold on the longest. The winners, if I can use that language, the winners are the ones who realize that there is someone that is holding on to them. And he will never, ever let go. And he will never, ever let you down. It was Friday when Jesus was nailed to a cross. And I don't know if you remember this part of the story, but when he cried out and when he breathed his last, there was an earthquake that day. There was a Roman soldier standing next to Jesus' cross when this happened. And when he saw Jesus cry out, when he saw him breathe his last, when he saw him hang his head and die, and when he felt the earth shake beneath his feet, this Roman soldier who had no reason to believe in God and even less reason to believe that Jesus was the son of this God became a believer in Jesus that day because he said, surely this man is the son of God. They took Jesus down from that cross. It appeared that death won that day. It seemed like the cross had won that day. They put him in a borrowed tomb. And they rolled a stone. Roman soldiers rolled a stone in front of that tomb. But three days later, there was another earthquake. Two earthquakes in three days. Coincidence? I don't think so. This earthquake on Sunday... It moved that big boulder in front of the tomb of Jesus out of the way. Now, I don't know what you know about earthquakes, but it seems to me that more often than not, earthquakes put rocks in the way. They don't move them out of the way. This earthquake moved the rock out of the way, and as it did, Jesus walked out of the tomb. I say all that to say that if the earth beneath your feet is shaking, there is hope today. Turn to Jesus because he is the one that is unshakable. We're going to sing one more song, and I'm going to invite our elders and their wives to make their way around the room. And if your world is shaking this morning, if you need some place to turn, I want you to go to them because they want to pray for you and help you turn to Jesus because he is the unshakable one. He is our king who is unshakable. He is the king of a kingdom that is unshakable. If you want to belong to that kingdom, we'd love to see you come today and say that you believe in Jesus and baptize you in the name of Jesus and and, and, and watch you become a part of this thing called the unshakable kingdom of God. Because if your world is shaking, there is a place where you can go. There is someone who will hold on to you and not let go. And even when it looks like death has won, it's funny. In this world, what looks like defeat in the kingdom of heaven is really victory. And today, you can experience. You can experience.
having that kind of faith in an invisible God. You can experience worshiping an invisible God when everything that is visible is shaken. Because when everything around you is shaken, you can turn to the one who will not and cannot be moved. Let me, let me share this blessing from Hebrews 13, and then we'll sing. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all that you need, with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him, all glory to his name forever and ever and ever and ever. And the church said, Amen. Let's sing.